this message today. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we, uh, my gosh, I'm hoping that we get through it. If we don't, well, there's always another Sunday, right? There's a lot of them, 52 in a year, in fact. That's what I've been told. Uh, so what I want to, I, I want to kind of jump right in and kind of just uh, get, start in with the topic of what I want to do. Um, Pastor Stephen Mamie have graciously allowed me uh, that throughout the, the course of this upcoming year that I, I can do, I'm going to be doing some messages on, with some regularity, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. So you can plan your calendars, you know, appropriately. Maybe we just won't tell anyone when I'm doing it, so that way they don't know to not come if they don't like it. No, but uh, a, a while ago, it was probably about a year ago, I was talking to a, Amanda, just that God was, God was really putting some things in my heart about just understanding, we hear the word engineering, and a million things can come to mind. You know, if, if you're anything like me, before I started work at an engineering company, I would think of engineering and I think, oh my gosh, I don't understand all that. You know, people are putting all kinds of stuff together, all things that I don't, I don't understand. It's all just magic to me. I mean, like automotives, like a car, right? Someone, to me, I look at a car and I'm like, I don't know, I turn a key and magic happens and it comes on. You know, I put some liquid in it from a thing, you know, a station and it just keeps going for me. But there's someone that intimately knows all the inner working details of a car. You know, more so than just like, do I understand a combustion engine? Yeah, sure. Do I know how it works? You know, again, turn the key and it goes, right? But what I want us to do is I want us to think about engineering, not in that it's some complex, big, hard to understand thing. How many of you here have ever made a snowman? How many of you have ever made it? Okay, somebody there. How many of you have ever made a snowball? How many of you know what snow is? All right, we should cover everybody at this point. But if you've ever made a snowman, congratulations, you're an engineer. You engineered that snowman. First of all, you know that you have to have the right kind of snow to make a snowman. You can't have a, it can't be super cold out with the real wispy snow, right? You try to pack that stuff, just falls apart, right? Got to have has to be a little bit of moisture to it, so you can roll it. And of course, the bottom of the snowman has to be the biggest part, right? Can't put the biggest on the topic. Oh my gosh, you guys, you realize you are engineers with these snowmen. This is amazing. You've you've put it all together. You've done extremely well. But it's really that simple whenever you really break down engineering. And if you, if you look at the Latin part of the word, it means to devise, to invent, or design with cleverness is really what engineer means if you break it apart. So all of us, we have some experience with engineering. Now, in my job that I do outside of the church, I'm a, a project manager at an engineering company. They make a wearable defibrillator vest. And it's amazing to look through my time there. I've been there for 10 years to see the different engineers come together. You have the biomedical engineers that are studying the heart rates and the heart rhythms. And they're trying to figure out how they're actually getting to the point where they're beginning to predict people's heart rates within a week to determine, based on their heart rate at the beginning of the week, whether or not they're going to have a cardiac event someone, sometime within the next 7 to 10 days. It's amazing stuff. But these are people that have poured their entire life into understanding how does the heart work, how are the muscles working all together, understanding the environment of an inside of the body, all the different parts and components of the heart and what the body's doing to interact with it and what is the right design of what the heart should be. And then they pass that information over to the mechanical engineers. 
and the electrical engineers. And the electrical engineers are trying to figure out, okay, well, how much shock do we need to deliver to a heart to put it into a, the right rhythm? Because the company I work for, it's a wearable defibrillator vest. So if somebody needs, you know, you see like in the TV shows, right? You know, where they, they yell out clear and go shock people, you know? Well, it's something that you actually wear that detects your heart rhythm. So it's really, it's an, impre it's an impressive piece of technology. But then you see the electrical engineers figure that out, and then they pass that information on to the mechanical engineers that design it into this little box that you wear here with a vest that has electrodes on you and therapy pads that will treat you accurately. It's amazing. It's amazing whenever you put it all together, you see it. And so you, sometimes we think of engineering in these big concepts like that, and you think that's just impossible to understand, but it's not for the right people. But what I want us to understand, everyone say this, say, I, I am a spiritual engineer. Because just in the same way, there's some amazing marvels of engineering that we see in this natural world. God, at the same time, wants you to be spiritual engineers in your own lives with the things that he has given you. And so I'm excited because I want to look at, a, over the course of you know, the next few messages, I want to look at some different concepts of spiritual engineering because I think part of it is, Sometimes we as Christians, whenever things don't go exactly as we read a promise in the Bible, we just kind of put it out either to God's sovereignty or we just kind of mystify, well, that didn't happen to me because I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it didn't happen. I don't know why that doesn't work for me. But if we understand it, God built this entire world on laws. There's, it's, it's all within an organized this world is very organized. It's very well put together. It's all, it's all, and we, we, I love scientists, how they, we, we try to make all these bold statements that, you know, four years later are wrong because we found something else out about God's creation, everything that he put together. And it's all, it's all built on a foundation of his spoken word. He spoke the word in the world, this, this reality into existence. So in the same way, there are spiritual laws that are in place. There are spiritual principles that are in operation, whether we know it or not. And what we need to do is we need to kind of dig ourselves into, not just, I mean, most of us, we, we know how to at least, you know, survive somewhat in this physical world. But some of us, whenever it comes to navigating the spiritual world and understanding the spiritual laws, the spiritual concepts, these spiritual principles that God has put in place, sometimes we just know, well, no, I guess that's, that's Pastor Steve to know, I guess, you know, or somebody else, you know, someone far more smart than me. But that's not it. God wants us to be acquainted with it so that we can achieve the things that God has set for us in, the, his, in this life for us. His promises aren't some mystery. Whenever God says that by his stripes we have been healed, it's not meant to be just something that we, uh, it works for some folks and not for others. No, there's, there's reasons why that it all comes together of how it's received. So what I want to do is I want to try to look at some things in spiritual engineering to help us maybe break down some of these concepts. Now, here's the other thing. I really pray that the Holy Spirit speak to your hearts as well. Because maybe you're thinking of a few things of, yeah, God, I really don't understand why, why this doesn't really work for me. 
Maybe, maybe you're, you're feeling like in your life you're just kind of existing. You pray, you pray, and some of your prayers, eh, yeah, maybe some of them get answered. Others, eh, nothing really happens with that. I never understand why. There's a reason why. And what, we, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to dig in and find out in your life. Because God doesn't want you to walk around spiritually ignorant. He doesn't want you to walk around just hoping that, you know, the Bible works this time for you. He wants you to know the principles that are in place so that whenever you go to Him in prayer, you can say, God, I have done this, I know this, and I know you answer prayer. And then whenever you pray that prayer, all of a sudden, it's not just, well, I hope it works. It's faith, you know it and expect it. And all of a sudden, God responds to it and He answers your prayer. So we need to be spiritual engineers. But to start off, I just wanted to give a couple, just a couple, couple pictures of some, some marvels in engineering that we would see in the, uh, in the world today. Uh, we got a, this is a, a clock in Prague. Um, it was created by, let me get this name right, uh, Mikulus of Cadon. Mikulus of Cadon. This was, it was built in 1410, before they had last names. They just told, told you of where you were from, right? But this is an astrological clock, so what it actually measures, bear in, bear in mind, this guy decided, I'm not just going to make a clock, but I'm going to make a clock that keeps track of three different time zones across the European region. And of those time zones, it's also going to track sunrise and sunset, but more than just sunrise and sunset, daybreak and twilight on top of that. On top of that, it's also going to track when the, where the position of the sun and the moon are at any given time in the sky. And then it's also going to account, take into account whenever, obviously, we just had our hour setback, right? So, you know, we get that one precious hour for only five months of extended darkness. No, but... The clock tracks the changes in the season to where the sun would set earlier, rise earlier. Now here's the thing. He did this in 1410 and it's still functional today. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like, like at, what point, at what point do you sit down and you're like, oh yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to make a clock. Okay, that's, that's cool. You know, he's pitching the idea. And then it's going to track the seasons. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it's going to track daylight, you know, in, in, in the nighttime. Oh, yeah, that's good. In the sun and the moon. And, like, I'm sure the people are listening to him like, yeah, okay, this is great. Yeah, all right. Yeah, go ahead and let me know how that turns out. And then, boom, he puts this thing out here. Now, here's the other thing it tracks, too. This is kind of cool. He actually has a, it also tracks above it uh, the, 12, the 12 disciples, according, so every hour, two disciples turn it's just uh, up in the, the two windows up top, and it tracks in accordance with their, their deaths. So, so like how, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, if you're going to track all that, why not? I mean, really, why quit? Go, go, go big or go home, right? But, but if you think about it, it's breathtaking to think. I mean, that someone would engineer and create this. It's amazing. And it's still working 610 years later. My gosh. All right. Anyways, our next picture is, uh, this one's pretty interesting. This is the tallest in one of the, the, the tallest bridge that is in existence. It is uh, the bridge of the, it's the Malau Viaduct in France. 
So just to give you some idea, each one of those those, uh, pylons that we see there sticking up, each one of those is over 1,100 feet tall. So that's taller than the Eiffel Tower, each one of those. That entire stretch is one and a quarter miles long that it covers from end to end. The bridge supports 36,000 tons of concrete, and on top of that, there's 21,000 tons of steel. It is a four-lane highway. (laughs) It takes you over the valley of the town, and it was done because of the congestion for the business traffic. It was deemed that that was this important to build. So it took them, there was 13 years, that's planning and construction, that they came up with this and completed it. Not something that you just threw on the back of the napkin and then decided, hey, let's go, let's go build a bridge, right? We'll just make it really, really tall and reach really far. Impressive engineering, though, that it's able, and it, the, the design requirement of this, this is interesting. Now, it, the, the clock puts this thing to shame. The design requirement is that it needs to be rated to last at least 120 years, given weather conditions and over the period of time that it, yeah, I mean, Meanwhile, the guy Mikulas in Prague's like, noobs, mine's 600 years old. All right, so the next, uh, the next one, it's a video. Um, and just, uh, if you could, this is, this is a, an amazing marvel of just how far in the natural world we've, we've come with being able to work with God's creation and what is around us. Just, this is an Im- impressive piece of engineering. When you picture today's bionic man, we have a new face to bring to mind. He's a Florida man who had his arm amputated during cancer treatment a decade ago. After years of using traditional prosthetics, he's become a bionic pioneer. Ursula Perry shows us how a targeted muscle re-innervation program is starting to rewire damaged body parts. It's catching on. When Johnny Matheny heard about TMR, he called Dr. Albert Chi right away. I said, you know, this is going to help a lot of people if it works. A lot of people. And that's what I want to do. I'm paying my life forward, so I want to help as many people as I can. It's really like a surgical rewiring of the body. This allows patients to move prosthetics with intuitive thought. We take nerve endings that used to travel to the missing limb, reroute them to residual muscles that are still there. So now we can actually take that information that used to be traveling to nothing and have a way to actually record from it, amplify it, and translate that to useful movement. After attaching the arm to the titanium implant on his bone, Johnny does a training set for specific movements. His brain tells his muscles what to do. Signals go through Bluetooth MYO bands into a cell phone and back to the arm. You don't have to think anything different. It works just like your natural arm. You do like this, you grab things, you know, you rotate your wrist, bend your elbow. It's not easy. Johnny went through months of training before he could do things like this, but the end result, priceless. Somebody that, you know, is totally dependent on somebody, now they've got a little bit of their pride, a little bit of their life back because they can reach down and get, get their own drink. They can feed themselves. Johnny sees endless possibilities. Ursula Perry, KSAT 12 News. It's amazing. Yeah, totally amazed. <laughs> that right there, now, <laughs> jokingly, I always tell my wife, this is my dream. I want robot arms. And whenever, man, whenever I saw this video, I was so excited. I mean, like, whenever, whenever, whenever the prosthetics get good enough, I'm telling you, like, there's going to be some 
accident where it's like, oh man, hon, we got to get to the hospital and give me one of those robot arms, right? No, but it's impressive. You look at that and think somebody had the idea, we're just going to shove a piece of metal in this guy's arm and no, just reattach all the nerves. And I love how like casual they make it sound like, oh yeah, we just, you know, did all this and put it together. The other thing that I was amazed with, of course, it's a guy from Florida, right? Like, Florida man, right? Right off, right off the bat. So, we look at things like that, and it's impressive. I mean, amazing. But here's the thing. God wants to do things spiritually in your life that are just as impressive and amazing, God wants to do things in your life that you never thought possible. I'm sure if you would have looked 30 years ago at medical science, they would have laughed you out of a conference if you talked about a robotic arm working. But now, it's not. It's, it's a change in, the, in your mind of what's, what, what you can do. God wants you to change in your mind so that you're not just putting up with the things in your life that have existed, where you've just become copacetic to the problem. God wants you to overcome the problem. And sometimes that requires a little bit of spiritual engineering to do. Now here's the thing though. Sometimes we put together what we think is the right solution, and boy, that solution is not the right solution. How many of you can recall back to some projects you may have done as a kid where you thought you made the masterpiece, right? And then your masterpiece was quickly undone. Um, so I, I wanted to find another example of engineering where I guess it's maybe engineering gone wrong, where you think, hey, this is, this is a good idea, and then it doesn't turn out at all the way that you thought it should be. Uh, one more quick video for us here. A couple engineers here at work. Yep, there it goes one. Oh, yes, yes. Can we see that one more time? Yeah, I think we all want to see that one more time. One more time. Great engineering here, great engineering. Here we go, here we go, here we go. First guy. Oh! <laughs> but you know what? Some of us may feel like, instead of the clockmaker in our lives, we feel like the guy at the end. <laughs> right? We try to put things together in our lives to solve problems, and all we end up with is our face going into a bunch of particle board. <laughs> we may feel like our Christianity that we have is something that looks good on the outside. <laughs> Hot mess inside. I was, I was going to use a house without plumbing, <laughs> which would be a hot mess. But we have, we have something that looks great on the outside, and we can talk a good game to talk about what we do in our lives, but then whenever we really get honest about it with God, and you open up the closet door, there's a lot of stuff in there that you don't want to talk about. There's a lot of mess. Like I said, it's like a beautiful home, but then you go into the home and there's no plumbing, there's no electricity wiring. Will it provide shelter? Yeah, sure, but is it really functional as a house? No, it doesn't do the job. But God commanded us, and God wanted us to actually be paying attention. If you want to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10, I'm going to kind of read this uh, while you're turning there. Um, if you guys that are speedy will we'll get to it. But God wants us to be builders spiritually in our lives. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, it says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder or engineer, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now here's, here's what I want us to understand. All of us have the same starting point spiritually, Jesus Christ. Do we all have different materials that we are working with in our lives? Different problems that we have to overcome in our, our little construction project? Absolutely. Whenever it comes to what we have to do with, with our lives, none of us are dealt the same hand there. But the foundation is all the same, Jesus Christ. Paul kind of goes on a little bit more and he explains it. And I really like how he says it. It says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. But if any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. And then he says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? Just taking that right there. Let me ask a question. Don't answer it out loud, please. The things that you have built in your life, Do you think Jesus Christ is the foundation? Everything that you've put on top of Jesus Christ, maybe would it be time to reconsider some of the things that you've built? Some of the actions that you've taken throughout life? Some of the manner of speech that you use? We want to be sure that we're building on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ in the way that God has designed it. The way that he wants it. Why? Because he wants us to have a reward. He doesn't want us to do a bunch of works that are meaningless. And then at the end of our life, the fire, the fire there burns it up and we're left with nothing except the foundation. God wants us to have a wonderful home built on top of it. But it's up to us. And you know what, I'm going to tell you right now, there's things that God has put into your heart of what he has wanted you to do. He, there's things that God has spoken to each one of us to, that he has wanted us to build on that foundation. And I'm not talking like God, oh, God wants me to build some kind of big church or some big ministry. You know what, God may want you just to walk in love with your relatives. God may want you to stop watching certain things that you watch on television. God may want you to stop thinking about people in certain ways. God may want you to change the way that you speak. You see, we devalue it sometimes. We think, oh yeah, those are little things. Sure, yeah, 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 God, I'll, I'll, I'll get those sorted out. Or maybe it's God wants you to think favorably of people that are hard to think favorably of. We think in the general sense, oh yeah, God, those, we can get to that. But God says, no, 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 no. Those are the valuable things. And sometimes we can never get to where God wants us to be until we start doing the little things first. Because let, think of it from an engineering perspective. 
whenever they started the, whenever they went to go, they built that guy's robotic arm. What if they're like, oh, we're just going to use wood? Pardon? Yeah, we're just going to use we're just going to use wood. It's good enough, right? Hey, it's just a little thing. No, it's a big thing. And we we think and see that, and we're like, well, of course you're not going to use wood. But some of us we approach things that God has dealt with us in our hearts to stop doing sin in our life that He wants us to stop, and we do the same thing. It's no big deal. And we pass over it, and God's saying, look, we, I, I can't do anything else in your life until we get past this. Whenever the, the scripture says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, he wasn't kidding. But you know what? There's other things too. There's other parts of our life where we have been so beat down by the things that come up in our lives that we've stopped dreaming of what God can do for us. We've become so accepting of the problems that we face on an everyday basis, the emotions that we deal with, the anxiety that we deal with, the depression that we deal with, the negative thoughts that we deal with. We think it's just normal and we've stopped trying to do and obtain anything better in our life. Paul comes in on this in, in Ephesians 3.16 through 21, and Paul kind of sets, sets, sets the bar a little bit higher. He's praying, he says, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner person, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith so that you would be rooted and grounded in love, and you'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so you'd be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who, by the power that is working within us, is able to do far beyond all we ask or think. Whew. I, I guarantee some of the modern engineering marvels were beyond anything that somebody could ask or think of. Whenever they built that clock, no one was thinking about shoving a piece of metal in someone's arm and then controlling it through electronics. God was. God knew, God knew what was going on. I guarantee you that whenever the children of Israel were crying out to Moses, or crying, or crying out to God for a deliverer, get us out of here, I guarantee none of them thought, well, yeah, he's going to pull some dude that's been 40 years in the desert, and then he's going to come, and God is just going to absolutely wreck this nation and take us out. I guarantee none of them thought it. Why? God's able to do beyond what we think. Man. Man. You guys can spiritually engineer things in your life you never thought possible. Why? Because you can do it. We're in a world where we're limited by the materials that we can work with. Our God says, hey, psst, guess what? I deal in the impossible. Ooh, man. The things that we think are impossible for us to have that we don't think are good. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, Really? Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, too bad. Too bad. I, I guess God maybe should get on the same page as you then. No. No. God wants more for us in our life. You know what? I, and I prayed beforehand. I pray that God be dropping little hints to you right now of those things that he called you to that are more than what you thought you could have because they're personal, each one to us.
But in order to achieve these great things that God has, we have to understand that we're going to have to do some building in our life. We're going to have to do some engineering. And there's some things we're going to have to understand. And, you know, setting this up, you know, as I, as I go through and talk about this, we need to understand one thing, and this is our first, first thing on the outline. Spiritual things are a lot like physical things. God wants each one of us to take limitations off of what we think is possible. Whenever you sit, whenever you sit and you look at your family history and you think, well, this is just this is the same kind of stuff that my parents dealt with, my grandparents dealt with, I guess I'm just dealing with it too. No. There's a foundation of Jesus Christ and you can build on it differently. You're not, can, you're not captured into a curse. But it's up to us. If we let ourselves, we'll absolutely fall into it. You know, my family just dealt with depression and anxiety, and I guess, you know, here I am too. I just, I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of going in the same vein of it. No, 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 no. That's not it. We need to start changing our mindset on some of the things that we encounter in our life, the problems we have in our life. You know, there's, there's seven, of course, you know, every, every school of engineering is going to have different thought, but there's seven principles, you know, of course, you could add or subtract a few of these, but there's seven kind of like core things that an engineer does whenever they come into looking at a problem or looking at something that they want to work towards. The first one is obviously identify the problem. And I think some of us, for us in our spiritual lives, we, we've, we've let problems become the norm. And we don't think that the problems in our lives are the norms. In our, well, my kids just don't listen to me. That's just the way it is. No. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, I just can't reach. I, can't, I, I, I just can't witness to people. I don't have any. I, I just get too nervous. I can't. I, I, it just does. Oh, okay. I, I guess whenever Jesus said, you know, wait a few days and my, my spirit will come upon you so that you'll have power to be my witnesses, except for this list of seven people over here, not you. No, it's everyone. It's everyone, but we, but we kind of cast it off. Oh, well, I, I can't do that, God, because of, I, I get real nervous whenever I talk to people. Oh, I, man, I'm, I'm, that's amazing. You're able to limit God just with your own nervousness. That's, 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 that's the, the creator of the universe. Oh, he can't do anything because you're nervous. <laughs> I mean, really? But, I mean, it's funny to listen to when you say it out loud, but we've, you, you become ingrained that it's just, oh, well, this is just something I struggle with. Identify the problem. Consider existing approaches. Ooh, man. I tell you what, you go back through and you read the Old Testament and you start really just, whenever you read the Old Testament, I, I, I love this. I'm going through the uh, Bible.com. Uh, they have one of their plans, the chronological plan. I, I, I tell you what, it's revolutionized I mean, the way reading through the Bible for me. So, I mean, up to that point, you know, yeah, I've, I've, read, I've read the entire Bible, but it's, you know, kind of like front to back, and it's, it's not separated, it's separated by the, the kinds of books that it is, the historical books, you know, the poetic books, you've got the Gospels, everything, it's all kind of 
It isn't in one seamless fashion. But this plan, chronological plan, takes you and it jumps all around the Bible so that everything comes in a historical fashion from start to finish. And it was, it, it was such a revelation to me as I began to look in some of these situations, especially whenever you go to like through, through Kings, where it t- it's giving you two different accounts of the same thing. And you start to think about, what did those people, what did those people actually think whenever this was going on? You know, and then you're not just, st- you start to think about it like, not just like King David, but man, what about the people in the kingdom? What did they just think? Or you, you start to read through Exodus. And you start to think, man, all those people complained a whole lot. Like a whole lot. And they didn't even care about complaining a whole lot. But then you start to think, well, why would they complain so much? And then you start to put the, your, yourself in their situation. And you start to think, okay, maybe I can see some, I can, I, 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 I can see why maybe you would think it's okay to complain like that. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, guess what, you do that too. You know, like, like, let's focus on the children of Israel here, Holy Spirit. (laughs) But you consider the existing approaches. You consider what does the Bible tell you already about things that have occurred that are exactly like your life. And you want to come up and say, no, God, this is unique. No one has ever experienced this (laughs) this kind of pain before. No one's ever had these kind
collaborate ideas, go back and forth, maybe talk to Pastor Stephen, maybe, hey, this is something that I've been dealing with in my life. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? I've been praying about this. Sharing with another believer, somebody else. You're, you're listening to, you're not, you're listening to messages. You're, listen, you're, you're listening to sermons. You're reading books. You're collaborating. My ideas, the things that I think the Holy Spirit is telling me, are these really it? You're bouncing your ideas against Scripture. Amen. You create a prototype. Maybe, maybe you start to step out in faith. You start to do some things that you haven't done before. And then whenever it doesn't work, and this is the big thing about engineering, you refine, you modify, and you perfect. We are to do the same thing with our spiritual life. If something is not working and we're not getting answered prayer for something, we shouldn't just be like, "Mm, well, I guess somebody else should pray for it. No, we should refine, we should modify to try to perfect it. Why? Because there's always something else that we can do. So three things that we want to look at and my gosh, I'm looking at the time. The time says 12.31, but we're aware of, that's, that's an hour off. <laughs> what I want to do, though, is, is I, I do want to, with our remaining time, I want to look at sin, forgiveness, and repentance. And I want to just do this kind of a, is a, is a, is a quick hit using some, some concepts that I really think God has spoken to me. Now you say, Ben, are you, do you have a, a master's in engineering? No, I certainly don't. But I do have something that God spoke to my heart that I think is really going to be able to help us with this. So please don't go out and think that you're going to be, you know, apply for mechanical engineering jobs after you've listened to this sermon. This is for us to apply in our own lives. But the one thing, that, there's, there's three main things that we need to do whenever we approach things spiritually for this engineering. The first is we need to understand the environment that we're in. If you look through the different kinds of engineers, there's like over 20 plus different fields of engineering. A civil engineer, a person that you know, creates you know, city plans and things like that, they're not going to be able to tell a, ge- you know, a genetic engineer, oh, well, you know, to stop the disease, just put in a couple stoplights in the body, bing, bang, boom, you got it all done. Wrong environment, man. <laughs> right? And we kind of chuckle at it, but at the same time, Are we aware of the environment that we're in and how that environment influences us? I think if we consider the state of the world around us, it's pretty easy to understand that there's a lot of pushback we have to do spiritually in our lives to not let it influence us. I tell you what, one of the one of the things that's just 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 on the topic, and you could apply this to any anything, but just to give a give an example. Uh, my wife and I, we, whenever we find like a show to watch on Netflix or who, we're always so excited because it's like, oh my gosh, it's something worth watching that we can actually go through. Because so many shows that you watch, if you watch the shows, you would think that it, infidelity in marriage is just normal. And you would think that, my gosh, I mean, 75% of the population must be, must be gay. Why? Well, that's what our environment is trying to push on you to tell you that it's okay. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, it says that we need to renew our minds. I'll read it for you. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can approve the will of God that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
Know the environment and know that Satan is going to work to get you to integrate with the environment. And that there's times that you're going to have to say no to your current environment. You know, with it too, we need to consider the history, you know, with the environment. We need to consider the history of what are the other spiritual, same spiritual environments that maybe I feel like I'm in that are also in the Bible. And the only way, you might say, well, well how do I figure that out? The only way to figure it out is to read it. Because then you might all of a sudden, whenever you, you go through a situation in your life and you might be like, oh my gosh, I feel this is exactly what Paul was talking about in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is exactly it. I'm in the same environment. And it's the Holy Spirit that's able to speak to you because then I can go to that scripture and I can begin to read it to see what, what was going on there. What, what, was Paul, what was being referenced? What was the backstory of that situation? And then all of a sudden you're gaining all this knowledge of the environment to know oh, spiritually what was, what was going on that Paul was saying that now I can, I can apply that to my life. You won't know that unless you read the Word of God. And there's, I'm sorry, but you can't rely on a Sunday service to give you enough to know the Word of God intimately enough that whenever you encounter a problem, you can think, oh, this is, this is just like judges. I can go back there and see, what, what did they do? What did they do? What did the prophets say about that? It's exciting whenever you think about it. But here's, here's my thing. Do you think, do you think the people, that, the guy that built that clock, people that built that bridge, <laughs> the people that designed that arm for that man, they intimately, intimately knew the environments that they were working with. They knew the history of what have people tried before to do in this and how have they failed and what succeeded for them and what can I do to modify and adapt this. They knew. They were students of their fields. And you, you guys, God wants you to be students of spiritual engineering so that whenever things are in you, whenever God calls you to something big, you're ready for it. Why? Well, I may have to do some work, but I know I know I can do it because I've seen it done before in here. I know that my God can help me. The other thing you need to consider are that you have to understand the elements that you work with. You can think of it like the building materials. What materials do I have to work with? You know, a lot of times in, spiritually, there's, there's, two, there's two sides. There's the God side where he's going to provide a spiritual element of anointing, grace, or power that you're not going to be able to, man, you're not going to, be able to produce. But there's obedience on our side that we also have to walk out in order for that to actually come to fruition. I'll give you an example. Uh, whenever I was, whenever I was uh, in my uh, early, really early 20s, about 20 years old, I was dealing with um, condemnation in my life. And with condemnation came a lot of anxiety and depression. And this, to, to, to kind of set the story, what it was is I was, I was reading in the Bible, and I was reading in, in Hebrews, where it talks about that if you go on willfully sinning, that there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins. And the only thing you have to expect is judgment. And I started to look at my own life. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I've definitely willfully sinned. And I started to think in myself, well, I don't have a sacrifice for sin anymore. I've, I've done things on purpose that I know that are wrong. 
And I started, I got into this whole thing where this, it just captivated my mind. And I would wake up and day by day, I would, I, I, there was always this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that it doesn't matter what you do, you've lost your salvation. You can expect nothing but eternity in hell. Now I'm telling you, that was a tough time in my life. And I didn't realize, going through whenever I read that, I didn't realize that what the writer of Hebrews was talking about is you can't keep sacrificing goats, sheep, bulls, and expect that to work for you. It's not going to work. Only the blood of Jesus Christ will work. But I didn't see it. And so I carried that weight with me. I would go to church, and I would want to show up late to church. I'd, I'd want to miss worship. Why? Because I, I was always nervous about being, I, I would, it was like nervous, I, I don't know, do I want to be in the presence of God or not? Because I would want to be in the presence of God, because I would feel the presence of God, but then there was this thing in the back of my mind, like, this is all the more you're ever going to get. You're going to die, and you're going to go to hell. And that's eternity. And I would want to be around people, but I wouldn't want to be around people. And I would, uh, it got to the point where I was afraid to read the Bible. I didn't want to read the Bible because I was afraid that I was going to read something else that was just going to seal the deal and that was going to be it for me. And I was going to, I was going to miss, I, it, it, that would be the end. I mean, it was, it was a tormented, it was a rough time in my life. But then I started to understand, I wasn't putting it together like this, but what I made a decision to do was I'm going to read the entire book of Luke I'm going to read the entire book of Acts. I'm going to read it. I don't want to. I'm afraid to. But I'm going to read it. And I forced myself to do it. And there was something that changed. Why? Because I was starting to work with the right elements. I was working with the right materials. Even though I didn't want to. Even though I was afraid to. And I got, I got through that. And it was strange. It was like there was, some, there was some manifestation of hope, but it didn't quite solve the problem for me. But it, it felt like there was something else there. There was something else there. And then slowly but surely, it was, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I can find a scripture, if I can find a scripture that, ensure, that is telling me that what I'm doing right now, that I'm, that I'm following God right now, I know that I, I, I can work it out. And so the answer for me was going to be found in the scriptures. And I came across the scripture in Romans 8 where it says, all that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And at the particular time, I had just made a decision that I knew, I really felt in my heart, that was God telling me to do it. And I thought, that's it? I have to, I have to be a son of God. I have to be a son of God because I was led by the Spirit of God. And after that, it was, like a de- it, was like, it was like after running uphill for two years, it was like I, I hit the top. And it was just like plowing through the rest of all those thoughts. When those thoughts come up, it mm, doesn't matter, son of God, I was led by the Spirit of God. Go ahead, thoughts, give me your worst. I know what the truth is. But it wasn't until I forced myself to work with the right materials. And I think a lot of times for us, we work with materials that aren't right. We try to solve the problems in our life with natural solutions whenever there's only supernatural solutions. Man, I'm sorry, guys. I really did you a disservice on this. It's, we're running out of time here. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, so we, uh, thank you.
So whenever you start working with the right materials, the right elements, then you can really figure out what the design is that it's of what you're supposed to have. And that's the next blank. You have to understand the design of what you want. And it's not just what you want, but it's what God wants for you. And there's an element of submission in this because sometimes the most wonderfully crafted ideas that we have in our minds are not what God wants. But until we understand our environment, until we start working with the right materials, we, won't we, won't, we will not arrive at the right design. <laughs> without, I, I have a list of it, but without going into it, you would be shocked and amazed at the list of, of medicines, other inventions that were all derived whenever the engineers started working with something in a certain environment, working with the materials, and it wasn't what they originally designed, but they discovered something totally different as they went through the process. And sometimes that's it for us. Sometimes we start off where we don't quite understand our environment, but we know that there's something that God wants for us. There's something that God wants us to do. Well, well God, what should, I, what, what should I start working with? How about his word? Amen. Prayer? Worship? And whenever you start doing that, a submissive heart, whenever you start doing that, all of a sudden he's going to start to, it's almost, like, it's almost like he's the master architect and you're trying to draw up the idea and he comes over to the side and he says, wouldn't this look better just a little bit over there? Yeah, you're right, it would. It would. And then slowly but surely, your heart starts to get in tune with him. Oh man, it's like you're collaborating. <laughs> So with our with our with our remaining time, what I do want to what I do want to get into, and I, I really do apologize on the the points under it. We'll we'll have to get to those in another week. But what I do want us to talk about just as we leave is I want us to understand that engineers in this world they understand the natural laws. They understand that there's limitations. Um, for instance. Uh, a biomedical engineer isn't going to come up with the idea that, well, to give someone more energy, we should just inject 92 octane into their body. Bodies don't work like that. An aerospace engineer knows that if they're going to build an airplane, they have to overcome gravity, or whatever force you want to call it that keeps us on the ground. And the only way to do that is to overcome it with thrust. Yep, and lift. Without those two things, you can't get something off the ground. Otherwise, it goes right back down. They understand that there's laws at work in nature, laws that God has set up, that they, in order to create what they want to create, they have to interact with those laws. So in the same way, guys, we need to understand spiritual laws so that we interact with them properly as well. You know, you look at the law, just, just to give it now, you're saying, well, Pastor Ben, are these scriptures in the Bible? No, but there's some examples of things that you can gather from reading in the Bible. How about the law of seed time and harvest? Do you think that was just a novel concept that God came up whenever he created plants? Consider Lucifer. First, the, th the seed was a thought. 
you can ascend to the mountain of God. Your throne can be just like his. There was time. How do you think he convinced other angels to actually follow him? Took time to do that. These were servants of the Most High God. Took time to convince them otherwise. And then finally, the harvest of what he conceived, which ended up being his judgment. We think of it just with plants and crops, but it's so more far-reaching than just that in our lives. There's actions that we have done in our life that we've planted a seed, and now we're in the time. But we better get in there if it's a bad seed and dig it up before the harvest comes. Authority. My word. That's an absolute law. The entire, the entire universe is based off of God's authority. It says that in Colossians, it says, in him all things are held together. His authority holds the entire existence of reality, natural and spiritual, together. He's the glue that holds all of it. So, boy, I better understand some things about spiritual authority and the law of authority if I want to interact with God on anything spiritual. Spoken word. Rhema. God spoke the world into existence. Don't think that there's not a law that he has created that's behind that it had to be spoken out of his mouth. It wasn't just an idea that he had. Why do you think Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty three, have faith like God. If anyone says unto this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it'll be done to him. He does not doubt in his heart, it'll be done to him. Sacrifice, another interesting law. Man, the entire, you read the Old Testament, you understand real quick, boy, there is, a, there is an exchange that God wants. Something has to be given up in order for something to be received. And God is very particular about how it works. Amen. I mean, he devoted the entire book of Leviticus to it. Well, most of the book of Leviticus. And here's what I want to end on. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Everyone, if you could, turn to Romans chapter 5. Five fifteen. What I want us to know is that Satan works very hard to have the law of sin and death work within our lives. And we see it's pretty evident that it works within this world. But what I want us to know is the power that we have available to us through Jesus Christ that is also working with inside of us. You remember what Paul said? That the, he prays that we be strengthened in our inner man, that his power would work through us. Here's that power. It says there in Romans 5.15, it says, There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of, one, sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace in his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. 
I want you to know right now, no matter what you've built on that foundation of Jesus Christ, no matter how bad you think you've built your life up to this point, the power of Jesus Christ, his grace, the law of the spirit of life, is able to wipe that foundation clean for you to build whatever you want to with Jesus Christ on it now. You might say, I've done, Pastor Ben, I've done some, I've messed up some pretty big things in my life. I'm sorry, that says right there that sin may be out there in multiplying, but it says that his grace was even greater than this sin. And it says where sin does abound, grace abounds all the more. Where I want to close today is I want each one of us in our hearts to know that Jesus Christ wants you to have a wonderful life. He wants you to build amazing things no matter what it looks like you are in. Jesus Christ, his law of the spirit of life is able to overcome any of that. Why? It's greater than sin. The environment is your life. The element is God's grace, the law of the spirit of life. And the design is greater than you can ask or think. I want to do two things. If everyone could, just bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. Jesus Christ wants to give you eternal life. It's greater than sin. It's greater than anything we can imagine. I don't want to take for granted that everyone here knows Jesus Christ, that everyone here has accepted that gift of eternal life. So I want to give everyone the opportunity, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your life, to save you, to be the foundation, I want you to raise your hand right now. You want Jesus Christ? You want Him to save you? You want Him to be part of your life, to forgive you? Amen. I take it that we all know Jesus. Now the second part, with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want everyone just to, you put one hand up towards heaven. And we're going to pray this prayer together. Everyone put one hand up towards heaven. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus Christ, I want to know you in ways that I've never known you before. Reveal, God, your plan for me, your power in me. Help me, God. Build on the foundation, your design, with your materials. Jesus' name. Amen.